Hi, I'm Ray Dubicki, and this is the Urbanist Podcast, where we discuss news, information, and ideas about improving cities and quality of life. And I'm Natalie Argarius. In this week's episode, we continue our second season with an interview with Josephine Ensign, author of Skid Road, On the Frontier of Health and Homelessness in an American City. That city is very specifically Seattle, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. Stick around. We are excited to welcome Josephine Ensign to the podcast this week. Uh, Josephine's a professor of nursing and adjunct professor of gender, women, and sexuality studies at the University of Washington. She teaches public health, health policy, and health humanities. Welcome to the podcast, Josephine. Yes, thank you for inviting me. I'd like to kick things off with a little bit of information about the work that you currently do. Okay. So um, as, as you said in the introduction, thank you. Um, I am a professor at um, University of Washington, the School of Nursing. And um, my, my doctorate, my, my terminal degree is, is public health, global health, um, and not, not nursing. Um, so I teach um, public health, health politics, and policy, which is always interesting, and, um, and uh, community health and global health. Um, I'm also um, and have been for about 40 years a family nurse practitioner and a public health nurse, and I continue um, to practice, um, uh, to do work as, as a nurse and a nurse practitioner, um, specifically with a lot of our University of Washington medical students, nursing students, um, social work students um, in some of our area um, homeless uh, services, like at Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gregory Home in the U District for women and, and, and women-identified people. So, right, <laughs> um, that's, that's something I'm excited about. You're a, a professor working at a major institution. Most major institutions are located outside of big cities, but you're here in Seattle. What has it meant for your work to be located, you know, in the heart of this city and region? Yeah, so that's a lot of what drew me to this region um, and to this job specifically. I was recruited um, you know, by the School of Nursing here at University of Washington before I finished my doctorate, um, which was from uh, Johns Hopkins um, in Baltimore, um, where I was another urban, <laughs> major urban institution where I was working on um, uh, homelessness among teens and young adults as my, my research focus. So um, I was drawn to Seattle to be able to continue my work um, around you know, direct service, but also policy um, and program planning for improving specifically primary health care services for people experiencing homelessness across the lifespan. Um, and was drawn to Seattle for one thing, because of the programs, for instance, by uh, Nancy Amade. Um, who had, she's an amazing uh, social worker um, and, um, and civic engagement person who had um, partnership for youth going on in the U District, bringing together police and service providers and young people themselves to um, work on kind of common, common issues um, together. So I was, I was drawn to the relative youthfulness <laughs> and and positive 
positive, you know, can do. I mean, Nancy, anybody who knows Nancy Amaday, she's a completely, we can do this um, sort of a person. And, you know, coming out of Baltimore, which I was living, working, you know, on the streets um, during the time of what's portrayed in The Wire. Um, So it was pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly time. Um, And, um, and I really wanted to, to come to a place that was more hopeful, but also had more progressive politics. Um, I actually lived in Highland Town uh, just about that same time. And so in southeast of where Hopkins is located, uh, it was not the easiest neighborhoods to live in. Um, when when you compare a place like Baltimore and a place like Seattle, you said there is progressive uh, a little bit more progressiveness here. Do you see that at all levels of government or specifically in the city? And how's that work out? Well, yes, I think we do. I mean, I talk about this in, you know, in my Skid Road book, um, the, the roots of uh, progressive politics in, in our city and region. Um, and so I do still see that. I mean, obviously, and especially working within the, the realm of homelessness, a lot of also um, more conservative pushback, um, especially, well, especially um, the past probably like five or six years and increasing over the past couple of years. But still overall, um, you know, a lot more, from my, from my perspective, a lot more kind of, um, uh, uh, t- you know, t- belief in, in basic science and evidence base um, uh, for, you know, not only public health issues, like, you know, what we've dealt with, with a pandemic, but also in terms of solutions to homelessness. So you mentioned roots here. And one of the things that I appreciated so much about Skid Road is how you, you pursue and follow these, these deep roots of some of the systemic issues like homelessness and access to healthcare that we face in Seattle today. How how did you come into the stories in the in this book? I guess how did you, you know, figure out the root system that you wanted to follow? So I am at core a storyteller um, and I grew up with a uh, Appalachian um, father, you know, deep in, in, uh, in Southern storytelling. And that's, uh, that's how I, that's how I navigate the world and the, and my, um, and my nursing with, with people experiencing, you know, whatever it is, homelessness or uh, immigration, um, refugee status, etc. And so I was looking at it and I really wanted to know more about the history of my now adopted um, hometown of Seattle. I've lived here close to 30 years now and I'm wondering, you know, how we got to where we are, you know, how can, again, how can this really wonderful, because I love Seattle, still do, um, you know, progressive progressive city with so much going for it, you know, a lot of wealth and, you know, people who are um, super engaged and well-meaning um, and at the same time have one of the highest rates of homelessness um, and abject, just abject poverty and, and, and suffering um, in a major city in our country. So I was asking myself that and specifically, cause I do a lot and have done a lot with Harborview medical center, which is an amazing gym, I think for all of us. Um, 
safety net hospital, and um, not only for you know, people um, who otherwise can't afford medical care, but for any of us. Like even if we have you know platinum level health insurance, if you're in an accident or something, you want to go to Harborview or you should want to go to Harborview. Um, so wondering like what the roots of Harborview um, were and starting to do reading and, and research about that. Um, and that's where I ran into, um, you know, Murray Morgan's uh, Skid Road and the enticing story of, you know, Seattle's first official um, homeless pauper, Edward Moore, and wanting to know more about him specifically. Um, because so often, again, in my in my work as a nurse, we don't always know what happens to people, right? I mean, they come into our lives. We do, and this is what I um, try to instill in, in students I work with, um, that your job is not to, like, completely change their lives around or try to, like, do the whole savior complex, um, but to be present and to listen and be respectful and to help then build the trust um, that is necessary for people to um, to then you know access the services that they might really want. Um, so when you bring up Edward Moore, uh, he was Seattle's first uh, pauper. Um, and in the book, you actually point out a point where. Uh, his caretaker gave Doc Maynard, one of the founders of Seattle, a, a receipt for uh, uh, Edward Moore that called Moore an insane and crippled man, a stranger without acquaintance or friends. I know. Um, That's an ama- it, amazing description, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting that the newcomer and deserving poor dynamic still plays out in Seattle today. Um, What did you feel like when you found that quote and what did it click about the experiences that you see around town? Well, yes. I mean, one of the things, um, you know, doing the research and then, you know, stumbling into, into that quote um, that, um, that surprised me, that shouldn't have surprised me. Um, but, you know, I didn't really know about our poor laws and how all of this came about, you know, tracing it back to the English poor laws, which were, of course, adopted by the 13 colonies and then spread throughout the territories and states, um, including, you know, the territory of Washington. And, you know, where we get into the deserving and undeserving or the worthy and unworthy poor and just how deeply entrenched in our psyches, in our laws, <laughs> um, in our uh, kind of moral moral uh, thinking about people, um, those uh, still are and still you know, obviously play out even in, you know, obviously welfare policy, but also healthcare policy. And of, of realizing that when Edward Moore, you know, was found half frozen on a beach in what's, you know, now Belltown, um, by very, very small number of, of white settlers um, that, you know, we had just enacted the, the Washington Territorial Poor Laws. And so the county was responsible for care of, of someone like him, even though he was, they called him stranger, wasn't from here. He was from <laughs> Worcester County, Massachusetts, um, and how they auctioned off the care 
of people like Edward Moore to the lowest bidder. Um, and because, you know, we had no hospitals, we had no heart review or even vestiges of it at that time. So that to me, you know, of how, you know, um, how that was done and also how, uh, obviously, I mean, I'm an admirer of Doc Maynard, um, but how many people could abuse that system, um, you know, including Dr. Burns um, from Steelicum, who it seems, you know, who, who then, you know, uh, took care of Edward for a little while and shackled him to his bed. Um, yeah. And he also returned him Seattle. <laughs> yes. Seattle. Yes, when he was not paid, when he was not reimbursed by the by the the legislature, he decided, heck with this, I'm done with Edward Moore. Yes, he shipped him back. Uh, you know, I'm sure it was a canoe, uh, paddled him back. I had him return to Seattle, and that was right during yeah, the 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 Battle of Seattle, which could not have helped Edward Moore's mental health status. You know, I have to say that, you know, you you talk about these policies and these policies are so important because, you know, we we can find this lineage of like where we're at today and trace it all the way back to the Elizabethan times and even before that. Um, but really, I feel like the policies could not let, let the stories are what bring it to life. And so for prospective readers, what do you want them to know about how you chose the stories that mm -hmm. you incorporated into the book? Yes. And that is, I mean, I'm not a historian. My, my dear son is, isn't a historian. Um, uh, but obviously there's a lot of history um, and a lot of research that went into this, but I, I realized, um, you know, early on that that would be, I didn't want to, I didn't want to write no offense to people who've written these kinds of books, but I didn't want to write an academic um, kind of dry, you know, highfalutin language book. Um, I am interested in people. I'm a people person. So I wanted to know specific people who, um, who weren't necessarily, um, you know, like the Doc Maynards, um, who aren't, you know, well-known figures who aren't included in the underground tour in Pioneer Square. Um, but people who were real um, and who were um, either themselves directly struggling um, or experiencing homelessness um, or were working specifically um, around poverty and homelessness, like the sisters um, who came to start the um, King County Poor Farm and Hospital. Now, each chapter that you do covers an era and uh real person or group of people like the sisters. Mm -hmm. um, and when we started with uh, Edward Moore as the first uh, f person who was taken care of by Seattle uh, residents, um, to better or worse, the was there one particular person that you were most interested in telling the story of, or was there one particular era that you really looked forward to and did combine? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think um, I was, a, <laughs> to tell the truth, I was obsessed with Edward Moore, you know, because I kept reading, you know, and going, you know, going to the archives at University of Washington, et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful librarians, love them. Um, and trying to read everything I could um, about 
him because, you know, the kind of official stories um, like, you know, Marie Morgan's, although it's, you know, a lot more accessible. It's a great book, Skid Road. Um, they, you know, he includes some of the story of Edward Moore, but just drops him, you know, when he's trying, they try to auction him off again, um, you know, after he's returned um, to Seattle um, and they ship him off. You know, nobody, nobody takes the bait or whatever, and they ship him off to uh, Massachusetts. And it just like ended there. And I was like, no, you know, his story did not end there. <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> where, where in the world did Edward Moore end up and what happened to him? I mean, cause you know, we don't, as, as, as far as I could even find, we don't have anything in his own words. Um, um, specifically, uh, he has, you know, I found, that he does not have a middle initial. I mean, he was, he was actually really hard to trace. Um, and I, uh, you know, had help from librarians and it, it wasn't until I was living and working in, um, in Edinburgh for, a, um, Fulbright looking at the English and the Scottish poor laws, um, for the book research for the book that a librarian from Worcester County, um, from the Worcester uh, public library, uh, found him and found his, his death, um, his death notice. And, and so that's where I was able to then start pulling out more of, cause then I, you know, then I was able to find out who his father was, who his mother was, blah, 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 and was able to trace more of what happened to him. So he was really the, the first person that drew me in to this book project. Um, but, you know, kind of simultaneously, again, because I was interested in the origin story of Harborview Medical Center um, that, you know, is closely tied, obviously, to Providence um, um, uh, healthcare system um, of, of looking at that. And and then it um, it took off from there, like Hazel Hazel Wolf, you know, who was living here and who was you know, homeless um, in Seattle. Uh, during the Great Depression, I had the the privilege of meeting, um, um, you know, obviously later in her life when I first moved here and admired her work. Um, I didn't know her a lot personally, but I had I had met her. Um, and then obviously, you know, some of the later chapters, like the, the threshold chapter, which um, traces some of the story of um Homeless and prostituted teens in Seattle. That was work, and with some people who I had direct direct um, knowledge of. So I had to tread carefully in terms of ethics in that chapter. I have to say that as I was reading the book, I was moving really fast through the book until I got to that part, not because it, it wasn't impactful or interesting for me, but because I had been a teenager in the 1990s and reading it was painful. It really, mm -hmm. it was really mm -hmm. hard to read. But at the same time, there was so much, you know, important information that was incorporated in there. And it also feels so close to, you know, this crisis, this homeless crisis that we're living in today. So when you kind of look around you, you know, understanding the scope of this history, what are some of your thoughts and ideas about the interventions we are doing or we are not doing today, you know, in Seattle and in King County? Yes. So that um, I'm doing a lot of thinking and 
working and, and writing about that now because I have a um, I have a <clears throat> another book coming out that is on the contemporary landscape of homelessness in Seattle and King County, and you know I see a lot still of hope. Um, you know, from people who are in this for the long haul in terms of, of innovative service provision that is evidence-based. I mean, a lot of the, you know, people who work at, you know, DESC, you know, leaders, even internationally in Housing First, um, 1811 Eastlake Building for chronic inebriates and, and expanding, you know, that not only in Seattle, but in, in um, other places in King County. And then also, for instance, um, the work of Derek Belgard and the Chief Seattle Club. Um, uh, they're doing amazing work that's obviously culturally appropriate, culturally embedded in, um, you know, indigenous um, and native culture, um, but are really leading the way, I think, for all of us, even if we're not, because I'm not native, um, for all of us to think about this work um, and provision of services um, in a a different, more holistic way, Um, because they, they, you know, they also provide services for non-native folks. Um, with your with your background as a nurse practitioner, um, you've also brought up the idea of direct service that we don't hear a lot from researchers sometimes. Um, how does that change the way that you perceive the way things are going uh, in the in this in the city and in the county? Yes, well, it keeps it keeps me grounded um, in <laughs> in more ways than one because it's really. I think easy to get lost in the kind of policy wonk world or the political wonk world. Um, and homelessness, uh, unfortunately, just like um, just like migrants and shipping them to you know <laughs> shipping them north, um, has become highly politicized. And that, while I understand it, is 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 such a waste of time and energy and is not, you know, it's just doing a disservice for all of us, not just people experiencing homelessness. Um, so trying to get past that to um, some of the hopeful things that are happening to I me, mean, I am hopeful about, for instance, finally getting to a regional homelessness authority. Um, although obviously there are bumps along the way with that being new um, uh, entity. Um, and 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 realizing from like being in some of these places like Elizabeth Gregory Home or um, Chief Seattle Club, of what some of those kinds of policy changes and at some level of the people that are getting past all that politics and are doing the real work um, of how that is positively impacting like the people that I work with actually seeing folks able to take uh, advantage of mm-hmm. these big projects that are uh, there's so many things that people grind on about the homeless industrial complex and to be able to see it actually function for a literal human being um, must be just astounding. Right. And it's not like 
people or patients or guests that I'm working with go, oh, because of the regional you know, illnesses, <laughs> but but because I um, because I know a lot of what is going on at that kind of like upper level sort of a thing, and then within you know some of these agencies. Um, things that they tell me that they're benefiting from and that they're really excited about, those I know are directly related. So as we wrap things up, is there anything that you'd like prospective readers or book club participants to know about Skid Road that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, I think um, as you as you mentioned, um, it's really it's really through the eyes or through the stories of real people and um, and real people that we don't necessarily otherwise know about or hear about in official histories of Seattle. And that's it for this week's pod. We love to hear your thoughts and questions and potential new book club ideas. Uh, send your observations, comments, and criticisms to podcast at theurbanist.org. And a big thanks to Josephine Ensign. Please pick up her book, Skit Road. It's available at reputable purveyors of fine reading material all throughout the city. We also hope that you'll join us for the Urbanist Book Club. And once again, that will be October 18th at 6 p.m. Thank you, Josephine. I'm Natalie Argarius. And I'm Ray Dubicki. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk again soon.